0: Hey, you're listening to Real Humans by Gina Kaufman, a pandemic podcast from KCUR Studios. On this week's episode, it's March again, and if you're tripping over all the one-year milestones, you're not alone. At this point, one year into pandemic life, I think it's fair to say there are two kinds of social distancers in Kansas City, and therefore two distinctly different post-pandemic fantasies. Some of us live in close quarters with other people and we may not always admit it, but we have spent much of the last year fantasizing about alone time. Just a single solitary experience, nothing more, nothing less. In my version of this fantasy, I'm sitting alone on a patio. I'm drinking fresh squeezed juice. I'm wearing sunglasses and I don't own sunglasses. I don't know what they're doing in the fantasy. There is a gentle breeze and most importantly, it's quiet. That's it. I have other more sociable fantasies that involve people, but those fantasies come to me when I'm thinking. This one's visceral. It comes to me when I'm struggling. So I am way over on one end of the spectrum. On the other end are the many, many people who have weathered the pandemic thus far on their own. For people in this category, alone time is pretty much the only time there is. And this group fantasizes, or so I'm told, about hugs. Consider Wilma Gibson. It's been a year since she last hugged another person. Gibson, in her late 60s, calls herself a homebody, but she works at her church, and that first Sunday of the pandemic, right before everything went on lockdown, she sent her minister a text urging him to tell people not to do fellowship, the customary exchange of hugs among parishioners. She didn't want to have to swap people away.
1: Please say we're not going to do this fellowship because I'm not moving. I don't want anyone coming to me. We shouldn't touch each other.
0: Two days later, lockdown began in earnest. Wilma remembers that she and her daughter each went out for one last grocery haul, and that Tuesday night when they got home to their separate houses.
1: I'm like, we're in here. From that day on, we were just here.
0: Her daughter, Natasha, just turned 45. She's a poet, she runs an art gallery, and she's a social butterfly. She's also single. The year without hugging has probably been harder on Natasha than her mom. It wasn't the discipline of it that was a problem. Wilma has sarcoidosis, a condition that affects her lungs, meaning as far as her daughter's concerned, COVID would be a death sentence. Early on, when very little was known about virus transmission, Natasha and her mom didn't see each other at all. Then, after a while, they started meeting for what they called driveway visits. Mom in the garage, daughter in the driveway. At first, even that was kind of scary. On a recent Zoom call, they joked about their tentative early pandemic visits.
1: And we would walk like 20 feet away from each other. Right. (laughs) I was serious about protecting you. Like, I was like, no
0: games. Since then, Natasha has rearranged her furniture, specifically so her mom can come over. Wilma has her own love seat at Natasha's house and it's all the way across the room from the couch.
1: Oftentimes we'll go toward each other and go, oops, no, we can't do that. (laughs)
0: Wilma's a pretty reserved person. In fact, she readily admits that she didn't want to hug most of the people she used to hug anyway. Even so... It's hard, very hard. No touch at all. This might sound like a small thing, but it's not. Human beings are wired for touch, particularly... When we're stressed, touch is a source of comfort that can help soothe us and moderate our emotions. Evolutionary biologist Robin Dunbar told The Guardian last month that the norm for our species is for any one human to have about five friends or family members with whom they routinely exchange touch. We touch these people, and they touch us way more than we realize. These intense coalitions, as Dunbar calls them, act as a buffer. They keep the world off your back. Which means that for people whose coalitions don't live with them, the touch that comes with those relationships, noticed or not, is gone. And that brings a physical isolation more profound than the human nervous system was built to handle. Wilma Gibson notices the absence of hugs most around hellos and goodbyes. But The desire to make contact was most painful at exactly the time it would have been most dangerous, when her daughter had COVID. Despite taking serious precautionary measures, Natasha got sick in early November and she stayed sick most of the month. At points, it was scary. For a while, she was sleeping 22 hours a day. A friend who'd already had COVID came over in double masks to line up water bottles and pre-portioned food then quickly leave.
1: I, I still to this day have no idea how I survived. And when I had a really horrible episode, my temperature went from 99 to 104, 105 in a moment. And I and I called my mom. I said, something is happening. And she walked me through it. And I, there was like sweat just falling off my face. And I said, I can't. I don't know what I need to do. And she just walked me through it and prayed with me and kept just telling me, breathe, lay like this.
0: What Wilma wanted to do, hearing her daughter in distress, was take care of her and not by talking her through it on the phone.
1: It was very hard because I did want to be there and care for her and change her bed and make her food. I mean, to take food to her and put it on the porch and run back to the car and to see her come to the door, that just tore me up because I couldn't touch her. I couldn't do anything for her. I called her a lot and I probably woke her up a lot. So I wanted to make sure she was awake, you know, that she was going to wake up, because it was bad.
0: The experience was frightening for Natasha and her mom, but Natasha did recover. And now, months later, she has a newly updated policy on hugging.
1: Only with people who have also had COVID, which unfortunately has been several friends.
0: There's always a conversation about it beforehand, Spontaneous hugging is still out, and social situations are still awkward. Natasha recently tried going out, and even in a mask, maintaining distance, it was stressful. Because some people know how seriously Natasha takes this thing.
1: They didn't even come six feet. Like, they just came six feet and then they said, hey, miss you, and we did the kind of hug yourself.
0: But lots of other people had not gotten the memo.
1: They just grabbed
0: me. I ask what it will take for this mother and daughter to finally trade hugs.
1: We probably could now. We probably really could now. We just trying to be safe. Mommy, I want you to get the vaccination because then I would feel comfortable.
0: At 67, even with a pulmonary condition, Wilma had a heck of a time getting an appointment. And she still didn't have one when we spoke earlier this week. Appointment times near where she lives have been in short supply. But good news. I just got word that she's finally on the books. So the wait is almost over, but not quite, until mother and daughter both have immunity, the air hugs continue, and these two Kansas City women find ways to hold each other up without holding anyone at all. That's it. Thanks for listening to Real Humans by Gina Kaufman. It's a weekly podcast from KCUR Studios based on a column I write for KCUR.org. Barb Shelley edits the column and Mackenzie Martin produces the podcast with music by Blue Dot Sessions. You can listen or read or both every Sunday at KCUR.org or just subscribe to Real Humans in any of the usual places. I'm Gina Kaufman. Be good to yourselves out there.